Hello, everyone. So, you know, I say this every single time I have a podcast guest, but I am so excited again because this is a really fun one, you guys. I have been following Heather for quite some time and watching her journey has just been remarkable. So, welcome to your next stop, Heather. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. So, Heather is a best selling author. She's a podcast host. She's also a top keynote speaker and she has been doing TED Talks. Welcome to Your Next Stop. This is Juliet Hahn. I am a wife, mom, virtual coach, public speaker, and crazy obsessed dog lover. I am so honored to be able to take you into the life of someone that has followed a passion. Every week, I hope you are as inspired as I am. Welcome to Your Next Stop. And what I'm really excited about is to dive in and kind of figure out where you were in your life that kind of helped you follow a passion and turned it into a business. So why don't we get into the beginnings, a little bit about your upbringing. Did you go to university? What did you study? And a little bit about your life. I grew up in Worcester, Massachusetts and went to Clark University. And when I graduated, I got right into sales. I was in sales for the Gala Winery initially. And then I went to radio after that, started out as a salesperson, and then I became an equity partner at a very young age and um, sold a company for um, $55 million when I was 26 years old. And then I moved from there to Florida to work for a larger uh, radio company. And I became the VP of sales there. And then I was promoted three times. And then I was fired um, when the CEO I had worked for became ill. He elevated his daughter to replace him. She fired me immediately. And that's really what set me down the path of becoming an author, a speaker, and a podcast host. So how old were you when that, when that went down, when you got fired? I was 43 years old. And did you see it coming? Was it kind of one of those things that just came out of nowhere? Yeah, no, no one thought that woman was going to be the CEO of the company. She had been the CFO the whole time I had been there. So if anything, I thought that the president of the company would be the one that would be tapped to replace the CEO, not the CFO. Right, which makes sense. And so I know, you know, we've had guests on that were in corporate America and something very similar like that happened. And it really makes you all of a sudden stop and think what am I doing, you know, working for other people, you know, especially if like, if you can share like what your mindset was at that time. Yeah. I mean, it's for anyone that's gone through getting fired unexpectedly. It's, you know, it's really, it's very hard. Um, I'd been there for 14 years. I'm a single mother, right? So it was, I had signed a non-compete for 18 months. So I couldn't go back to the industry that I had expertise in. You know, I had to start over as a beginner somewhere. So you know, moments like that are very, very challenging um, for most people and, and certainly very challenging for me. Right. I mean, especially being a single mother, I mean, that, you know, your your livelihood is on that. And so I'm sure I know, you know, in my family, I've been in the situation, not myself, but my husband, where it was just all of a sudden, like, you know, oh, oh my gosh. And a lot of times what happens is it's usually the person that is in that position that fires, there's something insecure in them. Like she probably saw that you could actually take her position or, and you know, I might be speaking out, you know, kind of out of step, but I know that in my husband's situation, it was really a team that came in that were a, a little 
nervous, like, okay, where is this going to go? So they're just like, we're going to get rid of any of the competition. And a lot of times when you see that, it really kind of takes you back and, and really you become in more in perspective and think, okay, well, I need to kind of figure out what I'm going to be doing for myself because I don't want to count on others. I don't want to put myself in that situation. So what made you, you obviously you couldn't go back into that industry because of non-compete. So what then kind of sparked you to be like, okay, I'm going to start writing books. I'm going to start, you know, start a podcast and and what kind of got you to that spot? Well, I had never thought of working for myself. I never, that was never back when I was younger, you know, there wasn't Gary V's of the world out there. Everyone that the game was, you wanted to be a CEO of a major company. That was, that was the climb, right? So no, it was a very different time when I was in my twenties, you know? So what I had always known and always forecast was that I would be a major CEO of a major company somewhere. And I was on that path. Everything was saying, you know, all signs are green. Like this is what I'm meant to do. And I was really good at it. So, you know, not being able to go back to the industry where I had my expertise was an awful feeling because I thought, okay, I have to start over somewhere. Do I go into the aviation business? Do I go into manufacturing? Do I go into hotel business? You know, where I've got to get in somewhere and find a way to get back to the top again faster than what it took me on this climb. And, and, um, I ended up posting, I've just been fired. And if I've ever helped you at all, I need to hear from you now. That post went viral and it landed me on the Elvis Duran show. And halfway through that interview, he said to me, well, obviously you're writing a book, Heather, but I wasn't (laughs) writing a book. You know, I had, like I said, I had grown up thinking, get into corporate, you know, make your way to the top, run a company. And so I had never considered writing a book. I it was not not on my horizon at all until Elvis put it on there and he was so confident that I was writing a book that I said I was and I accepted. I basically accepted his, you know, offer with conviction and I googled how do you write a book and it turns out you just have to write every day. It's not people make it into this, this really hard thing. It's not. And so I just sat down and wrote and then I hired an editor because I needed someone who was light years ahead of me that could accelerate me. And I invested in myself. And before you knew it, it was five months and I had a book to, you know, come out to market. That's amazing. So I want to go back a little bit. And this is one of the things that I love to do on this podcast. So where were your, like, were your parents, if they're around, were they in the entrepreneurial world? Were they in corporate? Like, did you ever see anyone? And I know you said like that wasn't out in your path, but did you ever see anyone that was in an entrepreneurial world, whether it was like a neighbor or an uncle or aunt? At one point, my father left corporate America to start his own company and the company failed miserably within a year. And he went back to corporate America and has remained there ever since. So that was really my only idea of there is another path you can go, but I saw it as a very negative one. Right. Which I, I, this is why I love to kind of go there because it is, you know, I had interviewed someone and it was very interesting because she was saying that she was always in corporate. Her dad was a professor. Her mom worked, um, you know, outside the home. And she said she always wanted to be an entrepreneur and she never realized why she wanted to be an entrepreneur. And so I said to her, okay, was there anything? And we started diving and she goes, wait a second. You know what? My dad, actually, there was a period where he owned a store. She goes, and it was some of the happiest times. I remember how happy he was. He would come home and we would all like the whole family would go out and we would go to this uh, with dinner with this other family. And you would see his, his energy create. And I said to her, 
Well, that's probably you're trying to remember that energy that you had. So it's the opposite for you, right? You saw your dad fail. So that was like something you were like, okay, well, I'm not going to do that. So it's interesting that, you know, I, I truly believe whether it's God or the universe that we all have a path and all different things kind of line up to kind of set you on that path. But you really need to listen to your gut and listen to your instincts. And there's, you know, times that you, you maybe are supposed to take a left, but you take a right. And so all of those little moments in our lives are kind of what set us up for here. So what I love about it is that, uh, you know, as scary as it was for you, you must have been like, okay, I'm, I'm writing this book. But there in that moment, did you even think, okay, this book is going to then catapult me into entrepreneurship? Or were you still like, I'm going to write a book, but I'm going to go back to corporate? No, I... It's funny because I just did a podcast about this, about energy. And it's interesting you're bringing that up because I'm a big believer in energy. And one of my holdbacks was I had forgotten my dad had started that business and failed. I, I never thought of it. It was so, I was so young. I was 14 or, you know, it was so long ago. I just, I didn't think about it consciously, but obviously my subconscious yes. was like, you're in a really unsafe water. You're working for yourself. This is not safe. This is bad. And so even though I was building a lot of momentum with amazing things like Elvis Duran showing up in my life or like all these amazing people showing up. And I truly believe that's because I had fired the number one villain from my life. That woman that fired me, she thought she fired me. I had fired my villain amazing people. There was space for positive people and positive energy to come in. But at the end of the day, subconsciously, I was holding myself back and in some regards, almost self-sabotaging. And I can look back now over the last four years and see the moments where I started you know, picking up momentum and things started going really well. And then <gasps> pandemic hits. Oh my gosh. And I went into total fear and crisis mode of why am I working for myself during the worst time in the world? Why am I not in corporate America? And when the more you put that energy out there, the more challenges you're going to cause for yourself. So it ultimately was this year that I remembered, oh my gosh, my dad had failed at this. I need to really heal that energy and release that energy. That was his journey and his life, but this isn't mine. And, and I can look back at, you know, his success that he had, it was always different than mine. You know, like we're, we're different people. And so I didn't have to hang on to this idea that it is unsafe if you're going to be an entrepreneur and you're going to fail and instead say, okay, I can move beyond that and really start to step into who I'm meant to be. Yes. And I love that you said that because I'm a huge energy person for no other reason other than I truly believe it. It's just like the way I've always lived life. And I, I actually don't really like, if I think back at my childhood, I don't think there's a reason my parents did get divorced. And there was a period where, um, I think that probably is, is why I also like, you could feel energy in different areas. And so I always think, you know, when I interview people and who have kids and stuff, like, I think what I've just created and what I've built, I think back to like, when my kids get older, what are they going to feel? Because my husband's in corporate America. He, you know, the pandemic, he lost his job. Um, he was at another time. There was, he was in advertising when advertising changed. He's like almost, he was almost 50 at the time. And it was like, okay, we're getting rid of the older guys. You know, so I think about all those moments and think from a kid's perspective. And as much as parents, you know, we protect and we think, oh, the kids are not feeling it. But, you know, as we know, kids are like brilliant and they can feel. It's, it doesn't matter. Like even if people are not fighting, or people are not arguing, they can feel an energy. And it is a really important thing that I think, you know, that's what I love for my listeners to think about, like where you are in your life. If you kind of wake up and you feel like you don't have energy or you're just in not the right spot. And that's where I, I am a huge component of daydreaming. I always say, whether you, you think of daydreaming as meditating, I call it daydreaming, like find that spot where you can go and just create the life that you want. 
for me, it's walking my dogs. I do it every day. You know, there'll be mornings where like, I'll come down and my husband's like, okay, your energy is like insane. I think you need to go walk the dogs. It's kind of like a joke. My kids know if I'm like my squirrel brain's going, I need to go and take a walk with the dogs. And so I always want my listeners to really like think about the space where they can take that time and they can daydream a world without any, you know, it doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter what money, just what do you want your life to look like? And if you start like kind of letting your mind go in a daydream, you can create a lot of things. And I, uh, you know, everyone that listens to my podcast knows I created this from scratch. It was literally, I was not in a bad spot in my life. My, my, um, I was just a little like unsettled. Like my kids were getting older. They didn't need me as much. I chose to stay home and, um, and it was like, okay, it's time for me to do something. I always wanted to start a podcast and then it really just kind of evolved, but it was a lot of stuff that I created because I, I let myself be in that spot. So I would love to hear your kind of thoughts on the whole, like, you know, if you don't have to call it daydreaming, um, but you know, your, your meditation, or do you have that time where it's just for you that you can kind of create in your mind where you want to be? Well, the most similar thing that I can think of, like in regards to what you're talking about, for me, I'm big into working out. I'm big into spin running. And so that for me is really the time during my day where I manifest, you know, what it is that I want to attract into my life and, you know, really put out to the universe, to God, what it is that, that I'd like. And, and I'm a big fan of, listen, if something's not going to hurt you, why not try it? Right. So there's nothing negative that can come out of you going for a walk with your dogs or me on a spin bike, thinking about, um, a goal that I want to achieve. That's really positive, right? Like there's nothing bad there. So I just started trying that, you know, I, and when I was in corporate America, I never, I didn't even know what manifesting was. I I had no idea. So I just thought, you know, I've been hearing more and more about this. Why, why not try? And so the more I would try, I would start seeing, I'd ask, you know, please show me signs if I'm on the right path or please show me a sign. If this is the right thing for me to do, you know, just asking. And and again, I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe nothing comes of it. Some days, nothing happens. Some days, something happens, but slowly I started seeing really obvious signs. And it was crazy. Wayne Dyer's two daughters wrote a book that's called The Knowing. And I interviewed them for my podcast and they sent me the book and it said love and all green lights at the beginning of the book. And I read the book. It's an amazing book. And I've been having a hard time with my son in the morning, getting to the bus so early and we're late and it's, it's very stressful. It's dark outside. And it's just like this awful time. And I remember waking up in the next morning and I was like, oh, love and all green lights. Let's go. Let's get in the car. Let's go for it. And every single light turned green that day. This has never happened in my life. We got to the bus in under time. And then I got back home in under time. I was able to make the early mornings, like everything went perfect. And I remember that day getting on my spin bike and I was like, okay, thank you for the signs today. Like, you know, this I'm on to something again. I don't know exactly what it is, but I'm onto something. I'm on the right path. And so I'm just going to keep going. And I love that. And I, and those very similar things happen to me. So I am huge on working out. I usually wake up before the kids wake up like at five 20 and I work out, but I found for myself that if I wasn't focused on like lifting the weights, like I would hurt myself. Like I could spin, I could do that. But if I was lifting weights, I really had to focus on that. So I needed to find another time, but I am, you know, as moms, as, you know, having a business with dogs and stuff, I was like, okay, this is a really perfect time. And I didn't even really think realized that that's what I was doing. But as I was walking the dogs, I would just let my mind wander and be like, okay, um, for a stint, I used to teach fitness classes, but I was, we had just moved. And I was like, I don't really know if I really want to 
go back like out there and, and start. It's a smaller uh, beach community. And I was like, it's not going to have the same feel as we did before. I kind of want to like retire that side of my life. And so that's what I did. I kind of started walking and just creating things. So I love that you have a similar thing because a lot of people will think about it and hear it like, oh, unicorns, right? They're like, especially the very practical people that are, you know, realist, they don't understand this. But so what I say to them is, you need to find the space that is going to catapult you to that next level. So if it's not daydreaming, if it's not manifesting, you need to figure something out that's going to work. And I remember, you know, early on when I was in the health and fitness field, you know, there was a whole thing about the affirmations and all that. So I'm dyslexic. So writing down affirmations is like a nightmare for me because it's like the spelling and it's just, it stresses me. So I would say to my clients is, you have to find that space. Like when I do affirmations or if I'm writing out like what I want my world to look like, I maybe like voice text it. Like it doesn't have to be written in stone. You have to figure out what works for you and not what works for your neighbor. And it's so important. You know, these, these are like ideas. So that's what, when people are listening to this podcast, I want you guys to think, okay, there's two different stories here. You know, Heather's and Juliet's story, they, some, some of it's similar, but there's a lot that's different. And so when you wrote the book, if you can take us through that, when, like what happened after that? Yeah, I want to answer that. But first, I just want to make a comment on what you just said. It reminded me, I, I was that pragmatic, real realist person that didn't believe in this other stuff, right? So I've had essentially two different lives, my life in corporate America, and then my life as an entrepreneur have been incredibly different because I've opened my mind to very different things that I was seemingly unaware of, or I was just closed off to at the time. However, when I look back at my career, it's so interesting as I've learned so much about manifesting. This is for anyone that's like, oh, manifesting is not for me. Please listen to this. I used to be that person. But you know what? I was incredibly successful leading sales teams. One of the reasons why, I don't know how I knew to do this, but it was something I came up with. I used to make every single person on my team, I had thousands of people on my team across the country. And I, one of the things I would, whenever I would meet with, uh, I'd be in Vegas meeting with my team in Vegas. And I'd be like, guys, what does success look like to you? I want to start hearing from it. I'm getting the boat. I'm paying for my kids' college. I'm, I'm buying a new house. I was always getting them to forecast the life they wanted to have and really laser in on that goal. I want to see a picture of it. I want it written down on your desk. When I come to meet with you, I want to hear not just about what you're going to bill in revenue this year. I want to hear about that boat. So I was in a weird way teaching my team to manifest, even though I didn't verbally know it that way. I just I love that. knew that was, that was a positive way that I could get my team to succeed. But lo and behold, I found out there's this whole life over here built around that concept. And I was kind of just like haphazardly utilizing it to my advantage, which is crazy. No. So, so I'm going to pause you for there for a second, because so I would love to like, look, so do you think that there was something in your background, your family, or was just something innate in you? I don't know. I think that there are cues everywhere throughout your life. And I can look back, whether it be at dark times in my life are really, I had a massive positive momentum points in my career in corporate America too, where things just like came out of nowhere and were incredible. So I, I've seen these moments of like, whether you call it the flow or, you know, whatever you call it, you don't have to be sitting on a yoga mat to find that. Right. I believe, right. Oh, like, I, I believe too. I just feel like in my life, I've seen it happen at different times and to my new book, overcome your villains for me. Anyways, everybody's different. When I have a negative person in my space, it blocks everything. Like I don't have the flow. I don't have the amazing signs coming up. None of that stuff happens. It doesn't matter if I lay on a yoga mat or not. 
it's not happening. So to me, that's like one crystal clear lesson I've learned along the way. Get the negative people, toxic situations, toxic environments, whether it's that you're a painter and you're an accounting job, then your job is toxic to you because you're not stepping into your, you know, like get rid of the negativity, toxicity out of your life. And when you create that space, the Elvis Durans in the world start showing up. At least that's what I found in my life. This episode is brought to you by Together Women Rise. Together Women Rise is dedicated to ensuring that every woman and girl has the opportunity to live freely, pursue her dreams, and reach her full potential. They are a powerful community of women and allies engaged in learning, giving, and community building. Please visit Together Women Rise at togetherwomenrise.org to learn more and to join them. This is what I love also just meeting people. This is why I love having a podcast and having this platform because everything you're saying now, like, you know, this, they will be able to see the video at one point, but like right now, like my face hurts because I'm smiling so much because everything you're saying is just innately what I believe. And I haven't really, I mean, I have positive parents, you know, I came from a positive background. I was born. My mom said like literally anything negative, I would always turn around and make it positive. She's like, you were always that kid in our family that was like, well, let's look at this. (laughs) So I think that that's, you know, that's a gift that God gave me. And so that's another thing is like people think about their strengths and weaknesses or think about the gifts that God gave you and, and really hone in on them. So I know we went off a little, little subject there, but I do want to hear after you wrote the book, kind of where were you and where did that, you know, what, what happened next? Yeah. And this is, you know, to your point again, I think when you start stepping into your passion and your purpose in life, things unfold in an easier way, yes. right? Like corporate America was hard for me people on the outside looking in would say like, Oh no, it was easy. You know, she made it to the top and it was hard, right? Like I was on the streets every, I'm on a flight every week. Like I was always in the grind and that's how I saw success. And not that I work harder probably now than I ever have, but it's also, I truly believe now that I've like brought together this idea of hard work to create revenue, creating value, helping people doing well in the world and really stepping into my strongest talents. And so bringing up, and again, I didn't have some master plan for this. I fell into it. So I wrote the book. I had no idea if people would buy one copy or not. The book Trump, Donald Trump, the first week it came out for number one on the Amazon business biography list, which was insane. And then I Googled, how do you sell books? And it said, speak. And I'm like, great. I've been speaking for 20 plus years. You know, great. That's wonderful. So I started calling companies, pitching myself for free to speak if they bought my books. And then one day someone said, what's your speaker fee? And I said, hang on a second. And I Googled, what is a speaker (laughs) fee? I I had no idea because in my old, my old business, we didn't hire speakers. The executives from the company spoke and that was it. And so it said Gary Vaynerchuk was getting $250,000 for a 60 minute keynote. And that's when I said, forget books. I am going into the speaking business right now because I needed revenue. Right. So I leaned into the speaking business. I got a bunch of agents and I did a TEDx talk. I got promoted to TED. And my and then I interviewed Sarah Blakely live on stage for a sales conference in Boston at the end of 2019. And my speaking business blew up. And then the pandemic hit and everything stopped and disappeared overnight. However, the one positive is since I had just been fired only two years before that, I thought, okay, wait a minute. I've seen this movie before. I know what it's like to lose everything overnight. And I know I found a way to make it work this last time. There's got to be a solution here. What is the solution? I went to my DMs and I saw people were always asking me, do you do any consulting work? Do you do any executive coaching? So I just said, 
done's better than perfect. And I put a post up, I'm launching my first ever consulting and coaching business, uh, limited spots. Send me a DM if you want to get in. Um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm maxing at X amount of clients. I sold that thing out immediately. And then that ultimately ended me up getting um, nominated to the board of directors of HealthLink and landed me my first board seat, which has been an incredible situation for me professionally and, and personally. And so like all these positive things came out of this very negative situation because I had this confidence that I don't know where the answer is, but I know there's an answer there and I'm just going to take messy action until I figure it out. And I love that. And so that's like another thing that we talk about here often and and my listeners know. So I am dyslexic. So school was really tough for me. I did not, I did not excel school. However, I was a really good athlete. I grew up in a town that pretty much everyone was good at everything they did. And so it was like, okay, well, I realized very early on that I learned different. My dad's dyslexic. My sister's dyslexic. So, and so it was like, we always looked at it as, okay, well, what are you good at? Here are the things that you struggle at. These are the things you're good at. Let's like really hone in on that. And so I want like, that's what I want the listeners to listen to is like also to think about like, this is where storytelling to me is so important. Like think back of those little events in your life and think about where and how they shaped you. So when I look back, I realized, there's so many times I failed that like, I will start anything. I will try anything because it's like, you know what? I, I failed. I've had teachers say to me, Oh, you know what? That's a silly question. Why are you asking such a dumb question? You know, like things like that, where I was like, no, I really just didn't know the answer. Like I missed something cause I processed different. So early on, I also realized that I was really good at storytelling and communicating. So like when, when I was talking to people, they didn't realize that I was struggling in school. So I found a way to kind of manipulate and that's a negative word. So I don't like that word, but like really work with the teachers and people. And I realized when I would talk, people would stop. And so I learned that as like an early, early child. So if you can talk to, like, as you said, you keynote spoke because you were like, Oh, I could totally do that. I've been doing that, you know, in my sales business. Talk a little to that. Like when you realized, okay, I'm going to do it. You just jumped into the keynote speaking, right? You're like, I don't know how to do it. I'm going to Google. And this is what I always will say, like, ask questions. People need to ask more questions to be able, like if they have a question, you Google it. That's what, you know, questions are still even asking Google. How do I do it? And so many people stop themselves because they're afraid of failure or afraid of like, what's next? I don't know how to do it. Instead of asking questions, because I don't want to look silly, you can ask Google, right? You were like, oh, I'm not going to say no to this because I need this. So let's jump into there. So can you talk a little bit to that about like really finding your strengths and weaknesses and and the whole question? Yeah. I mean, when I was 21 was the first time I was a sales leader and I would run a sales meeting every single day, right? So I'd speak in front of back then 20 people, right? Every single day. And then I got promoted and then I was speaking in front of a hundred people every other day or like, and then it, it just kept getting, the numbers kept getting bigger and bigger. I'll never forget. It was probably, I don't know, maybe 2014. I was headlining this conference, the national association of broadcasters conference in Texas. And I was up giving a speech. And I remember that night after the event was done, everyone's coming up to me like, you are amazing, blah, blah, blah. 
and I don't, I don't get paid for any of this stuff back then. Right. And so I'm like, Oh, what's part of my job? You know, thanks so much. And I remember flying home and thinking, wow, that was so cool. I wish there was a business that I got to do that all of the time. I only get to do stuff like this once or twice a year, like really big events. And I thought, you know what, that was just, I felt like magic. I remember saying that like to someone, I, I just felt like magic. And that was the cue. If you ever feel like magic, that's the universe telling you, this is the path you're supposed to be on. The thing that I didn't do, which I encourage others to do, I wished I had picked my head up outside of my industry sooner to talk to people. I would have found out there's a multi-billion dollar keynote speaking business where Gary Vaynerchuk's making millions and I could have been too, right? But I didn't pick my head up outside of my little tiny bubble, my little tiny media world to, to see what else was out there. So just don't immerse yourself in the same routine, same people, same industry, because you're going to miss the opportunity for you to discover that superpower that you have and then discover what that plan looks like to get you there. Once I was fired, you know, those doors started just opening organically. And yes, there was plenty of times when I, I first started, it wasn't easy. It was simple, not easy. When I first started and I called, I said, okay, I need to get agents. I saw Gary Vaynerchuk has an agent. I need an agent. Okay. I'm, I need to emulate whoever is at the top. And so I started reaching out to these different agencies and pitching myself and I'm getting no, no, no. So I asked, you know, question, can I, can you give me two minutes to tell me why I'm an exceptional speaker? I promise you, you'll see that. And they would say, you're not unique. You're, you're not, you're not filling a void that I have. I already have business speakers. I don't need more sales speakers, Heather. They would say to me, come back when you're unique. And I remember the day my book Trump, Donald Trump, and I took the screenshot and it was Heather Monaghan, number one, Donald Trump, number two, right? He was the president at the time. I remember I'm unique. I don't see anyone on their roster that has just trumped the, the president. So I took that unique screenshot. I messaged it back to the president of Harry Walker Speaker Agency. And I said, thank you so much for your time. A few weeks ago, I wanted to let you know I am now unique. I'm going to be the only speaker on your roster that's trumped the president for number one in the business category. He writes back right away. Touche. You're right. Okay. You're in. And then I leveraged that once he put me up on his, I was like next to, you know, he has all these presidents on his lineup. And now there was Heather in the mix with presidents. So I leveraged that image to go to APB speakers, to go to Big Speak, to go to, you know, GDA, all of the speaker agencies. And I would say, Hey, I don't know if you heard Harry Walker just signed me. Uh, I definitely wanted to make sure that I reach out to you because I'm a good fit because of blah, blah, whatever relates best to them. You know, I made it um, make sense for them. And the majority of people started saying yes, because they saw that cachet that I was already, you know, approved, but then it became hard again, right? Because no one was booking me. Yeah. They all put me on their websites, but then no one was booking me. So I had to figure out why. And I had to develop a rapport with someone and get on a call with them. And then they told me, we've never seen you speak live before until I see you speak live. I'm not putting my name on you. I don't care how many films you send over, Heather, it doesn't matter. Right? So it, I still, I was starting over as a rookie, even though I had 20 years expertise speaking, no one cared. I wasn't an expert in their world, in their eyes. So again, it's simple. It's not easy. It still takes a lot of work and this willingness and knowing that I had here that I was like, I know I'm better than that speaker that I just saw that's getting paid a hundred grand or whatever it was. Like, I know there's more for me out there. I'm not backing off. And, and of course the pandemic made it very difficult for a while. And I, I kind of let go of the speaking so I could move into the consulting and then write my second book. And then 
slowly virtual started speaking up and then I leaned back into that. So it's, it hasn't been like this seamless road that I, I just want people to know that it wasn't like, Oh, I woke up and figured out I'm meant to be the best speaker in the U S and here I am rolling in the riches. It's not been easy like that. It's been a lot of highs, a lot of lows, a lot of, you know, (laughs) jumping over challenges and trying to get back on track. But I'm finally getting to a point now, thank goodness that we're in 2022 and the last two years are behind us where I'm starting to see bookings coming in and bookings coming in from agents because they saw me so much over virtual. And, you know, it's just interesting how things end up panning out. Well, and that's the thing. It's it's really, and that's again, where our paths create. And, and one of the things that you said about the magic, and I, I want people to listen to that because there's so many people that get that little magic, but they don't realize that that can actually turn into a business. And one of the things that you did is that you asked questions. You said to them, well, wait, can you tell me why? And that's a curious question. So those are like my things that I always talk about figure out your story, ask questions, be curious because you don't know what's happening next. And then when you get that magic, jump in it. It could be like a little thing. So, you know, my, the, my listeners know I just got back from the Super Bowl because I did two live events for the women of the NFL. I have a live segment that I interview NFL spouses and I didn't not know the, like, I didn't know who I was going to be talking to. I didn't know any of it. And so, you know, I, my friends and people will be like, aren't you nervous? And I was like, well, no, not yet. You know, once I get there, I'll, you know, figure it out. I'm sure I'm going to have a little nerves. Like I've never done anything where I'm like, you know, on the red carpet interviewing people and doing all these different things and having like a pod live podcast booth where they're coming and talking. But I remember I sat down and it didn't matter. I did not have one nerve when I was on the red carpet, not one nerve because I was in the element where I was supposed to be. It was what I am supposed to do. And it's like, now I realize, okay, wow, this is something that I didn't even think of. Like I, yeah, it's always, was like, oh, that'd be cool. I I could see that. But now I see that that is. And so that's what I want the listeners to think about when you have that magic, when you're in that spot where it's just, and I don't want to say easy because it's not, I mean, I was like sweaty. I mean, it was, there was no easy, but I didn't have the nerves of like being unsure. Now, yes, I am a confident person. I'm confident in my abilities, but that also takes practice and and, pra- and doing something over again and being consistent and working at it. So I love, you know, I love everything you just said. It to literally completely gave me the chills. Can you tell people where they can find you and like what you're up to next? Yeah. So I'm at Heather Monahan, heathermonahan.com. My podcast is creating confidence with Heather Monahan. My two books are confidence creator and overcome your villains. I'm just everywhere on social media. Um, but what's coming up next? Oh my gosh, there's so much. I just launched a candle line. I'm launching another product partnership that's going to be coming out in the next two months. I have a lot. I I just started writing my third book actually, um, last month. So I've got a lot of stuff cooking and, um, I don't know. I just think, you know, I'm getting booked for so many live events now, which is super exciting. So you never know what city I might turn up in. And I'm just really optimistic about the future for everyone. I know, me too. Oh my gosh. So you guys go follow Heather. You can find her on her podcast, but find where you can see. So you can go and listen to everything. You know, this was just a snippet. Heather's a lot, a lot to share. But so if you guys like what you heard, you know what to do. Rate, review, subscribe. But this is what I want you to do you're listening to this podcast right now, I want you to share it with five friends because you might say, oh, I'm not in this world. I'm happy. I know what I'm doing. You could have a neighbor. You could have a friend. You could have a sister. You could have an aunt. Someone in your life needs to hear this story. So rate, review, share, and then check out Heather on her social. So thank you again, Heather, so much for joining Your Next Stop. I hope you liked this episode of Your Next Stop. Please subscribe to my channel, share with your friends, and join in each week. 